I'll start and then you can see. I'll really, really confuse it then. Yes. Go on ahead, right. My grandfather, Francis I. By the way, this, this will not clarify it, but we'll do our best. <laughs> Francis I, born 1885. Francis II, born 1917. <laughs> Tommy McCrudden is the son of Francis I. Daughter, Kathleen, and the sister of Francis II. They, that's Jim, uh, Tommy, that's Tommy, he was born in 1930. James is the son of Francis I, the brother of James, uh, the brother of Francis II, the brother of Kitty. Okay, and the cousin of Tommy. No, I'm his uncle. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, he's, he's, he's four or five years older than me, but I'm his uncle. <laughs> he's the uncle. The way it comes about. I know you'd make a tilly for lols of it. You know the, way, the, way, the way it comes about is there was Francie one, Francie two, Francie three, and there's Francis fourth now. Right. Okay. Right. Then there's. There's. There was there was Francis, the third, and Tommy and Kathleen. They were three cousins that came into the the group. It was a trio at one time, and it grew up and grew and, up. And I was the, I was the, it was Francis one, Francis two, and, and James, James yes. the second. I'm James the second, and I'm getting fed up getting beat the boy. Oh, I, I did my granddaughter. But the music, it was there. It was in the house. It's like it's like a painting. If the painting's in the house, it's hanging on the wall. You pass it for years and years. But I remember him in the early 50s. Yes, he was playing a tune called Anlunda, the Blackboard. And it was a summer's evening. And the sound, it was absolutely fantastic. And when I heard this sound, I knew I was going to... Like people say, ah, that's all loaded. I knew I was going to play. I was going to play the pipes. And it, it was then that you, you really... You understand what your father's doing. Macranda. Oh, he was Mada. That was it. Mada. My dad's one person, my daddy's my father. My dad was a great influence in me to play because he had this great knack of being able not, not to ask you to do anything. He made sort of a suggestions. And he played along with you. And he encouraged you without you knowing you were being encouraged. Now, I seen my daddy doing exactly the same thing with my own children. Now, I'm doing that with my own grandchildren. 
I never pushed Francis or Eugene, my son Eugene, into music. Because, you know, when you have that feeling, it'll come in their time when they realise it, because I had to, to realise. I speak with candor one night in slumber, my mind did wander near to a throne. The center station of our Irish nation, there a congregation to me was shown. My father sung that long years and years ago whenever I was a wee boy. That's one of the songs that he sung. It's, uh, I've never heard it before, to tell you the truth, is anywhere. My father and mother were both born in the county Derry and uh, come to Belfast on the uh, Industrial Revolution. Oh, I started to play, I think, in 1907 or 8. O'Mealy was the pipe maker and Rousham at the time. That would be Liam Rousham's father. And uh, it was Mealy made these pipes for me. And uh, he didn't put reeds or he baffled me in putting reeds into them and I had to come to Rousham's father to put reeds in them. John Rayleigh, whenever I think on it, come to Belfast to teach me and it was Mr. Bigger that was the instigation of bringing him to teach me. And strange to say, this man Bigger says that I am the only Belfast paper for 116 years before my time where it was all died away. John O'Reilly was just an old man like my father at the time. Just a wee goat's beard which was a stale lane. And he was with me for nearly about two months. And uh, strange to say, the old man was much delighted whenever I started to play the Grave of Wolf tune and automatically started to sing it along with myself, same as I had been doing it for years. And the old man was delighted and clapped his hands whenever he heard it. Oh, he says, I've never heard the like of that. Oh, 1912, yes. They were making a big, big push at that particular thing to bring all papers together. I was uh, two or three years at that, and I'd never heard a paper, but I heard O'Mealy playing one tune, but never heard a paper or anything else at that time, and really wished to come to Dublin to hear papers, to hear how they played from the way I played. And I may tell you, I was much surprised whenever I got the, 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 the first prize of the juniors. That was uh, a gathering that was up in Biggers. Well, Roger Casement was there. Oh, yes. Well, I'd seen him quite often because I used to go up quite often. And uh, I had played the Little Red Lark and he come and sat beside me and asked me, what tune was that? What was the name of it? And I told him it was the Little Red Lark. He said it was a lovely air. And... Uh, as I was a poor lad at the particular time is, I think he gave me a half a sovereign as a tip, as I thought at that particular time. And I think that was the last gold that ever I come across.
But during the Blitz, that's, that's the last war there, we were all shipped down, evacuated down to a wee town in a county town called Mainerstown. And there was a lovely beach, just a wee, a lovely wee beach, you know, about 500, 600 yards long. And many a time I walked along that beach, singing along with that. And sometimes the rain lashing down on us, you know, there were southwesters on and all the, all the gear of the day on, you know. I can see that day just yet. I can just see it as if it was yesterday. But we had great times. And then when I got into it, I found it was, it was so good. I started on the, in the 50s. And then uh, from the 50s right on into the 60s, just doing the travelling. But in our own family, Things seem to come naturally. Oh, yes. Now, we would have argued over a note. Oh, like it wasn't a five-minute argument. It could have went on for, for, for a long time. But that didn't stop anybody from playing, playing the music. My granda had a very simple way of doing things and made it pleasant upon the ear. Because all papers are not awful sweet on the ear. But he had this way, and I must say this, my daddy was brilliant at keeping them in tune. When you had three pipers playing at once, which was no mean feat, and then the three of us being able to play and sing, we were the only three pipers ever that actually was able to do that. We're going down to Ennis. That's one of the first places I went to was Ennis. And uh, we, we, we sang a song, and Ennis was the, the furry boy. And I remember, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think some of the Clancy's was in the, in the front row of, of that, that, that particular concert. And after we'd done and finished the concert, after doing the, the furry boy, there was a priest come in. And he had a handkerchief. And it's not often you see a priest crying. He came in and he went over to my Uncle Francie and he says, uh, Mr. McPeak, he says, that fairy boy was my mother's son. Francie, I looked at Francie and Francie looks at me, you know. I said, did you like it, Father? It was great. It just brought me back years and years. That's the time, first time I met Dalio Rison. Um, and it was it was it was a great great concert. That well, that was one of the first I think that I, that I was with them. Great talking about things like that, now, you know. Bringing me back about what good times. 
But uh, my mother, she would she used to play a mouth organ, you know, and it's a, wee, a wee bit on the accordion, you know. Take me back a bit. It's good to talk about. It's good. My father, who was pretty old, uh, uh, well, he was. I can't remember what age it was. Nineteen fifty-seven. You can calculate it yourself. He was born in 1885. He said that some gentleman had come up to the, our house and asked us would we go to Glasgow, uh, you know, uh, the following July, which was about about 17 months ahead of the time when he he visited the house. But he said, nevertheless, he will be up on Wednesday and you and Francie, meaning myself and my brother Francie, can have a yarn with him. So when the chap came in, Bobby Heatley said... Do you think you would be able to uh, do the journey from here to Moscow? And my brother looked at Bobby Heaton and said, Moscow? And he turned around and looked at me, Dad, and said, You said Glasgow. He said, Well, I thought he said Glasgow. I started playing and travelling while I was still at school, uh, mostly uh, around the Flas, uh, down south as we called it. And we had great times. Being young, so young, I didn't, uh, I didn't really get the full enjoyment. I would have been about uh, twelve, so it, I was a child. But I liked the music, so uh, I went with them, and that was. That was us. Uh, it's I suppose from the outside looking in, it seemed a great life, but sometimes it wasn't. Uh, being the only female in an all-male group, and being the youngest, it's sort of way. If you were in a minibus, it meant when they were telling jokes I was the only one sitting up on my own and the laughter was all at the back of the bus so even though I maybe I wouldn't probably not even have understood what the joke was I would have been laughing as loud as anybody that part of it was uh, was lonely but the music made up for it and singing you know, and the feeling of family. When I was learning the craft of music and performing, they were my idols. My granda, 
God, he was such a such an influence with me, and the patience my father had. Uh, you know, James, Tommy, and my sister Kathleen. Like we lived in each other's pocket. The best time was always was always discussions or singing when you're travelling. And you'll notice uh, before all this uh, CDs and all was going, when you were travelling, the engine gave off a certain note and you picked that key and everybody sung and an awful lot of practices were in the car while you were travelling. Well, the McPeaks were a kind of exceptional Belfast family. They they were very aware of the cultural heritage the family possessed, and they they actually clung to that very faithfully through several generations. But the McPeaks also not only played the music, but they also carried a banner. They carried a banner for it. This is, they they were very consciously aware. Of saying this is our heritage, we own this. This is what this is what we possess, and they they lived in a part of Belfast that became a kind of a um, a home, a haven. I remember in the this would be the the, the late fifties. Uh, they came to me and they said, "Come over." He said, uh, "There's a man here, and he's going to take a film about. It. He's called Pete Seeger." Well, I went over and Pete Seeger, who was, who was already then, uh, even at that time, a famous singer in America and was a member of a band called The Weavers. Uh, he was there with a huge, big, big lorry, kind of Pantechnicon uh, mobile home, parked in this very narrow red brick terrace street in Belfast. And the, the Peaks house, like the other houses, was very tiny. And this big... Van was parked outside it, and Pete Seeger was there with his wife and two children. But the camera was out in the footpath because there wasn't room for the camera in the kitchen of the house. So what they had done was they'd taken the whole window and the window frame out, and Pete Seeger was shooting them playing inside the house in the kitchen of the house. So what I'm saying was what I'm saying was that time that already they were internationally known, and people were writing about them because of the beginning of what we now call the renaissance of folk, you know, the revival of folk music. And there wasn't anything to revive in the, in the McPeak tradition because they, they, had, they had actually practised it. But getting back to uh, the, likes, the likes of singing and playing, that's why the likes of John Lennon, when he heard us, uh, after him going out to India and all this here, he actually realised what there is in Ireland. We had been travelling in England and we had done we done the Dave Allen show and uh, he had wanted to get in touch with us but with us travelling and different things. So what they done uh, Alan Taylor got us and uh, flew us down to London. Well at that they brought us uh, they brought us on to the stage and we sat. And I mean, the place was bound. Lulu, uh, that other girl, um, she does blind date. Oh, uh, 
Liverpool Sella, and yeah, Sella, Sella uh, all the Beatles, George and uh, their managers and everything. And when we played, John Lennon and his father and all just sat and watched us. Then they asked, could we get a set of pipes? And we went to Mr. Candy of Cork. Mate got the pipes made. I brought them over to Carnaby Street. Whenever I went and taught uh, John Lennon in Carnaby Street, uh, the pipes were brand new, and I knew and my daddy knew they had to be blown in. So I was using them while travelling in England, and every time I would come back into London, right, uh, go around and give John a lesson. But one of the one of the things was that he was so knowledgeable in the pipes and he wanted to do the Irish fairy music and he realised just what there is in Ireland now if you notice an awful lot of people in Ireland are playing the traditional music but they're leaving they're, they're leaving the, the fairy music, music behind. The fairy music behind. Well, I first heard them like on it was a, like an, an LP. They called them then, you know, and that's why I first heard them in a particularly uh, wild, wild mountain town. Being in Belfast, I was aware of them in Belfast. Being, you know, knowing who they were and that. Um, and then um, I, there was a party w- that they were at that um, was uh, one time I was going to sign with Phillips Records. And I remember they were um, they sang a few songs. This was like about '66. It was just before I went to America. Um, and then I had them on. I had them on one of my gigs in Dublin later on. But there, there was, you know, being a, a, a group that you're aware of in, uh, you know, Irish music. Irish music. You know, they toured a lot, and they were, um, the, you know, well at that at that point they seemed to have like a world platform. You know, and n- no one uh, th- that I'd heard of at that time was like taking this stuff to America, for instance, or taking it to England. Or and I think they were the f- the first folk group that I'd heard of that were taking it other places and getting it to a wider audience. Then, at that, that point, you know, it was before the Chieftains or any of that stuff. You know. I always liked that song. Well, it was just one of my favorite songs. It still is one of my favorite songs. I mean, I think I mean, I must, I've been thinking about doing it again. More, I did more of a rhythm and blues version, but it's just it just stands out as a folk, good folk version. Yeah. Well, it's it's a very popular song all over the world. Well, that was the original version. That's the first one I heard. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's always there's always something happens when they do that song, when they do it live. I don't know, some kind of emotion or something. It evokes a certain thing, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Soul. Soul. Yeah. 
Through uh, our broadcasting on the programme Culture Chair by Kieran McMahona, uh, and we were asked to go to Milltown Malby to play at a concert. So, way to County Clare, we went. And just uh, facing the hotel that we stayed in, the Castle Hotel, I believe it was, there was a little shop across the way. And so we went in there and performed just in this wee huckster of a shop, sitting uh, on three chairs, and there was three guys sitting up on the counter looking down at us, and we sang and played, and they were mesmerised at what we were doing. I think their name was Clancy's. Now, they went on to uh, make millions, and we came back to... Welfare and paying the credit union. No, the credit union, I don't think a credit union existed then. But if it had been, they would have, we would have given them a go. They played great hornpipes, great jigs, slow airs, dance music. So in a kind of way, they were startling and memorable. When they came on the stage, you know, when they came on the table and sat down and got settled and got out the pipes, which in those days, what a kind of a rare instrument. When they did that, they kind of way displaced air, you know. And then the, the, their eagerness and their earnestness for what they were doing and their total belief in it, what they were doing. So when they described what happened at Ockram, which was a much more severe, savage battle than the Battle of the Boyne, when they described that and gave an introduction into the Battle of Ockram and they played the lament for Ockram, you were actually in the possession of people who had a living history. And that would, that would, very, that would very always very thrilling to get that. And I think that, I think no matter where they were, whether they were in Soho in London or wherever they were on a, or on a folk club in Canterbury, I think the people in some kind of way recognised that that cutting edge existed not just in their speech, but it existed in cut down barriers of nationality or race or anything. It just stood out. Them, I thought personal. Oh, I remember that time. First time I met Pete Seeger, that was great. That was really such a such a man with depth. And uh, but for some reason, the older you get, you just go in to the modelling side of it. You know. Oh yeah, that's when I was young, and uh, that's when my daddy was here, and my granddad was here, and we all had a good time. Most of the time, and then say, "Oh, sure, tomorrow will be another day. It may be different tomorrow." I say that all the time. I may be able to play again with them tomorrow. I think about the Catholic population of Belfast. You know, up until the civil rights movement, I'm not talking about a thing called oppression. That is too strong, you know. But there was a certain kind. There was there was a repression against the Catholic population in Belfast, both in employment and in other other kind of ways and so on. So 
The McPeaks were kind of cocooned inside that. It was a separation in the population, and and in some kind of way, in some kind of way, there were there were certain writers who were giving voice to an inarticulate Catholic population. Uh, writers like uh, Michael McLaverty, for instance, you know, uh, uh, other and other writers like uh, O'Connor, giving voice to that. But the McPeaks gave it gave it a kind of. Um, it gave, the McPeaks were an expression of that kind of Catholic ethos in Belfast. They were idealists, you know. They they wanted a better life, and they wanted that. Um, but very important to them, I think. I think it was more important to them. I think we call that kind of expression. We call that the arts, you know. And it is the arts. Is this? It's the it's the songs and the music of the of the arts that was very important to the McPeaks. And it was an expression of something that was heartfelt. On yonder little hill, an little step, and the smoke coming on to the sky. By the snow and the smell, you can hear me tell that there's patching the pine close by. For it fills the air with an odor air, and it triggers both me and you. Nineteen seventy-seven September when we started the teaching of traditional music in Belfast. When Father McNiff asked us to come up and teach some of the children something instead of this jungle music. Well, jungle music is is all right. But if he had us say, come up and teach them a bit of culture, we would have understood it. My daddy says to me, that's Francis II, he says, come on up and give me a hand for teaching. I says, look, I'll go up for six weeks, and after six weeks, that's it. But it was to be up in the Clannard Monastery. Now, the Clannard Monastery is in the middle of it's hard to say, but the middle of the falls, the middle of... It's right on the peace lane. You can see into the shankle. You can see all of the falls. You can see Sandy Row all from, all from the Clannard Monastery. But the Clannard Monastery was the only piece of neutral ground in all of West Belfast. Now, to do things like that, when there was buses getting burnt on the falls, and there was shooting here, there and everywhere, the children always turned up on a Saturday night. The soldiers come in and out, policemen come in and out, they walked in, this, that and the other thing, we stopped them at the door and told them to put their guns down that we were teaching children. Protestant people come. All nations have come through us and we don't even... Then we didn't even ask you your name. Do you want to learn music? Do you want to play a bit of traditional music? What instrument do you want? 
And that went on for years and years and years. And when we got enough money, we went down to Milktown Malby. We entered the flaws, we entered everything for the children to get them out of the whole environment. In 20, I think it's 20 or 21 years, I have not missed Milktown Malby. So from the humble beginnings, right up till today, now that's why we're in this, what we call the new school. We're in the new school because, all right, I do understand why Protestants couldn't come always onto the falls. It was like when Gusty Spence asked me, will you teach on the Shanga? I said, certainly, Gusty. I'll teach anywhere you like. Can you guarantee my safety? He said, no. And I says, well, Gusty, what do you expect? I can't come and teach. If anybody gives me the guarantee that I was already, I would have taught, I would have taught up a flagpole. It made no difference to me. That's why we're now in our, our own premises in the middle of town. It's right in... You, you can't get any more middler unless you go to the City Hall. But they haven't asked me to take a class there yet. But maybe someday they will. But in, in that, we're here. And we people come in and that's one thing we have never done. Asky religion. That has nothing to do with music. That that's eyewash. That's a load of junk when you start all that. When new people come in and they register, that's it. I found that music regarding children it gives them such a different outlook on life. It tames the wildest and encourages the weakest. If I was an adopting agency, I would have thousands of children. Because, as I say, when they come through there, they become MacPeak. See, people, although we were in Clannard, in the middle of the Falls Road, people were calling it MacPeaks, MacPeaks. We went to different places and they were calling it MacPeaks. So, uh, about three or four years ago, I think it is, or maybe more, I'm not sure. But they, we decided, because of Magranda and because of Medari, we said, we might as well keep it at MacPeaks because we've always been teaching. You know what I mean? People were rapping the door. Francie, would you teach us the pipes? Would you teach us the whistle? James, would you teach us the accordion? Guitar? Harp? We didn't care. We were always in the background of teaching. So rather than have it the individual, we have everything now. With everything, and with the help of God, the people that we have taught in the past will be able to keep it going in the future. You know.
see. Mac Peaks are a strange bunch. We are a peculiar lot. Um, there's always been not a dominant. There's always been my granda, Francie the First, was the head of the family. He was our chief. And he was so knowledgeable and he was so right in what he said and what he done. That was handed down. Now, my daddy was the head of the family. Because I'm Francis III. It's not that I'm head of the family, no. Although I am like head of the family, but I'm not because I have my uncle James there and I have, uh, I have Tommy and uh, my cousin Tommy. And of course my mother's still alive, but they, they are entitled to the respect within the family. Because the two men are, are they're, they're two good men. Do you know what I mean? They're two good men. And that they have the family, they have this family thing what, what my, my dad had. When he died, uh, the pipes that had come from Francis Joseph Bigger, he died in 71. And the pipes that he played at the Arachnus, my daddy played them a wee bit. He played them a wee bit. But he took them down and he was going to do a whole lot of work and redo them all up. But he never really got round to it. He, uh, he just, he just hadn't, he just hadn't the heart. He hadn't. He played pipes, but he never played those pipes. He died, and my daddy, Francis II, he died on the seventh of July, eighty-six. I got the pipes. I put them all together, and I've only played them once. There is something there that, there's something just there that I haven't, I want to play them. The chanter has a lovely, lovely feel to the chanter and the pipes. But the magic isn't there. There's too much history with them. For me to carry them about and want to play them. There's too much of the family. That is... That's the peel of the family. Those pipes. They're the connecting rods. The, 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 them's the vessels. That's the blood vessels that connects the magpeaks. And they're like the holy grail. They're so special, but those—they are—they are just they have this mellow, mellow tone. 
but you can hear them so far away. Uh, does that sound? I don't know. I could sit at home and play them, and it wouldn't be loud. But neighbours could hear them. It just well that that that's to me that's my pipes. They're my my pipes now. Of course they'll go on in the family. They'll go down to Francis or whatever the case may be. But those pipes are they have so much history and lineage and uh, so much in keeping music alive in Ireland. Like I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even have the audacity. I wouldn't give them to the likes of a museum. They're, they're the heart of, of the music of Mac Peaks. Without them, the, uh, the, the, the music is liable to disintegrate. They're the ones, whoever gets those, has this urge to... to have has this feeling my daddy had it and I have it and Francis will have it and Eugene and whatnot to keep the music you know what I mean to keep the piping going. If you enjoyed this documentary, you might like to listen to our other Documentary on One productions. Visit rte.ie forward slash doc on one.